Pain Juice Podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and I'm alongside my co-host, Raghi. We'll be bringing on Immortal Lou. Some of you may know him from Twitter, The Altercation with D'Angelo, which we'll discuss with him. Uh, also co-founder of the NYR Shot Club. You guys should go look at that. Uh, we post that at the end of this episode, the Twitter handle, etc. We'll be talking to him about the Pittsburgh game, uh, his story with D'Angelo, and more. But first, a quick word from our show sponsor, and then we'll get right to it. And now, a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BETUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BETUS.com. And we're back. We're with Lou. Some of you know him as the immortal Lou. How's it going? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So we wanted to bring you on to talk about uh, the Pittsburgh game, you know, Drury's acquisitions, trade deadline, but most importantly, the D'Angelo fiasco. So I think we're going to start with the Pittsburgh game first. So obviously, what were your impressions overall of that game? I know that's kind of a general statement. Because this is this is the team we're going to probably play against playoff time. I mean, the Rangers showed they could keep up against this team. I mean, their five v five has been amazing with these new acquisitions. Uh, what do you uh, make of it? Yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot this year about statement games and and measuring stick games and things like that. You know, there's been there was a lot of narrative a while ago about well, we can only beat good teams and we can't beat the playoff teams and things like that. But I think definitely. You know, the way we've played against Pittsburgh, especially this past game, it shows that we really can hang in there with, with the top teams. You know, like you said, this is probably going to be our first round opponent. So uh, to be able to kind of go toe to toe with them and come out on top, you know, despite probably shaving a few years off of everybody's life at the end there with all that wild stuff that happened. You know, I think it really shows that, you know, when we have Igor and net against the top teams, we definitely have a chance. Right. That's that's very right. This game was in general a very big proof of when the Rangers play a full 60 minutes of hockey, what could happen. The the thing that most impressed me really in this game is that they played the full 60 minutes and their defense was so, so good. Um, and we have not seen such a defense like this. Do you find that their defense is getting better? Yeah, I think it's a combination of a few things. I think it's a combination of the defense itself getting better. I mean, obviously, Lindgren and Fox, despite the little rough patch they went through, are, are a top-tier pairing. And then you know, Truba has been really solid this year. Keandre Miller has really come into his own despite his own rough patches earlier in the year. Um, I think Nemeth has gotten much better since his you know, oh, yeah. issues he was having. It, so that helps a lot. You know, Schneider has been a rock back there. He had, I think, one or two bad games, but he's been great. But I think also it has to do with the, you know, the defensive play of the forwards as well. And I think bringing in guys like Cop and Ma, you know, that's kind of what they're known for. Um, the defensive forwards are really buying into the to the system you know, playing that 200 foot game that the coaches always love to talk about. So yeah, there's definitely been a big improvement in the team defense. What is, uh, I know, obviously, like you said, the last two, three minutes of the game were kind of took uh, years off people's lives, which, uh, which includes (laughs) me. I mean, you, you saw at the end there, we posted a pretty hilarious thing of, Everyone's face was Ryan Strom's face, and then they were all missing that empty net <laughs> video. Yeah, he did a he did check a, it out, guys. He didn't. He did a terrific job of that. He did it in like thirty minutes, which is insane. Wow. Um, 
So what stood out to you in this game? Because obviously there's a lot to take uh, from that game. But like what like three things that stood out to you that, you know, like, hey, you know, this is, you know, this shows that we could beat this team. Well, first of all, shout out to Built to Spill because he's great at what he does and he's done stuff for me in the past too and helped me out too. So shout out to him. But also um, my big takeaways were Lafreniere has been on a man on a mission. I mean, his play has been noticeably improved and he's finally starting to kind of round into what we thought he would be. And that's great to see. So he really stuck out to me these last few games, Pittsburgh and then again in in, uh, Detroit. Um, I'm going to mention Keandre Miller a lot because he's been, you know, he – maybe a little bit unfairly maligned earlier in the year, you know, he had a little bit of a rough patch, but he's a kid, you know, but he, he and Truba have been a great second pair. Um, and like I said, Lindgren and Fox seem like they're starting to come out of their rough patch a little bit too. So that was one thing that stood out to me was the, the play of the defensive pairs. Um, and then just kind of not being afraid, not, uh, you know, we have a young team. It's a lot of kids, but not, being intimidated by, oh, no, that's Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin over there, and, and, you know, we can't keep up with this team. Just kind of having that that confidence to know that we can we can play these guys and we can beat these guys. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that. The, the, that is true because you look at the Rangers team, uh, they don't have exactly what we would like to say a Crosby-level star. We do have fantastic stars where we do have players that are doing, like, like players like Kreider who, and Fox who are up there and – high level of stars, but I'm not talking, we don't have a Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby there. Although I think that that's something that I could potentially say that together, our team has somewhat of a thing like that, but this team does not have that. When they face someone that is, has a really big name, sometimes it could scare people. So I mean, we have Panarin. Yeah. I was I mean, just going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, we have, we have Panarin, Panarin but- who's uh, arguably number one or two even maybe three like winger, like we have a top three winger in the NHL. We have a star. It's just, I, I get what you're saying. I think, no, I'm that. saying more of less of, I think I'm trying to say more of like a, a historical figure, a Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, uh, Alex, a Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, someone like that is uh, what I'm referring to. That could scare people. Uh, I brought up, I brought up a stat on, uh, on Twitter today. I'm very excited about this because I spent about 45 minutes working on this that the Rangers versus um, some of the top stars um, on the, on, in, the, in the Eastern Conference, we're talking about uh, Yubido, Barkov, Gunsel, Crosby, uh, and uh, I forgot who the last one was. Um, they have a combined two goals, seven assists, and a minus 11 in oh, yeah, 20 games against the Rangers, okay? If you think the Rangers, when they face these stars, are like, oh, Stamkos was the last one. Uh, when they face these stars are scared, they're not scared. They're, they're doing a fantastic job shutting them down. Do you find um, that when they get to the playoffs and they have to face a team like the Penguins that, and like we, we discussed this a little bit last I'm week. honestly more concerned about Malkin than Crosby. I, that I, might sound I weird. A question is to really to, to Lou and Jacob, you know, do you feel that when we get to, I know last week we discussed this, but now that we played them this game, do you feel like the, playoff game is actually going to be affected by the way they played against them now or do you think no it's the playoffs you have to throw these games out the window i think it's a little bit of a combination of both i mean i think like i said we'll definitely move i think we have to, we have another what one or two games against pittsburgh still right i think definitely at least one we have but, one um, next thursday holy cow man yeah 
Yeah, but I mean, I think absolutely we'll go into the playoffs with with a confidence and with a you know with the the knowledge that we can beat these guys. And if it was something, if it was the reverse, if Pittsburgh had just waxed us, you know, the, every time we played them this year, it might have the reverse effect. It might we might be sitting there, oh, we can't beat these guys. It would get into our head and things like that. But I think definitely um, what we lack in playoff experience with some of these young kids, I think that confidence will help them. And I mean, this is exactly why we brought in the Barclay Goodrows and, you know, that, that championship pedigree and stuff like that to, and, you know, we already have guys. Kreider has been in a thousand playoff games in his life. You know, I think we have enough of um, that experience to avoid any kind of first time playoff jitters and whatever first time playoff jitters we have, I think with the young kids who haven't been there before, I think some of that will be alleviated by kind of that knowledge that we, we can go toe to toe with steam and we can beat them. So I'm uh, going back to the Malkin and Sidney Crosby thing. I, I feel like this might sound weird, but for me personally, I'm way more concerned about Malkin than Crosby. Uh, would you agree with that? Or uh, I mean, it just always seems see, to be I, Malkin's a penguin is a Ranger killer for me. Yeah, I think it, I think probably because you know Crosby's always on the top line. You're, we're going to have Fox and Lindgren out against him, and we're going to have. You know, there's a bandage job line out, out against him probably, but then what you get into trouble is, you know, Malkin's on your second line and not many teams have a second defensive pair or a second line forward line that can go out and match up with him the same way you can try to tr- kind of try and match up with Crosby. Right. Yeah, no, because also, I mean, listen, Pittsburgh's not the deep stack team it once was. Um, but I mean, listen, their their goaltending like Jerry, Jerry is like very shaky, especially last playoffs. He's done good this season, but I'm saying is, He's notoriously known for like, you know, not doing great in the playoffs. I mean, look, he gave, I believe it was just Bailey. He just gave the overtime winner to uh, last year in the overtime, if you remember that. Um, but speaking of like Rangers Carroll let's go to the other way around. But Toronto, I believe, I, I don't know the exact stats, but if you see the amount of points he has against Pittsburgh, uh, the games he's played versus Pittsburgh, it's insane. And then he got another one uh, versus game versus Pittsburgh again. What do you think of these acquisitions, meaning Drury didn't go for a big fish, even though I kind of feel there wasn't really one to be had in the first place. But you got guys like Andrew Kopp. You got a guy like Frank Vetrano. And then you got, I mean, who's personally become one of my favorite players is Tyler Mott. Uh, what do you make of those, you know, sneaky moves? Well, I would love for it to come out that Drury person, like, specifically went after Vetrano because he, you know, kills the Penguins. That would be something really fun to find out, but that's <laughs> never going to happen because Drury doesn't let anything out. That's but <laughs> yeah, that would be great. But um, yeah, I mean, we all kind of wanted that big fish. We all wanted the the hurdles and the Pavelskis of the world, but they just weren't available, unfortunately. But I thought, I thought Drury did a really good job with what he had to work with. You know, I, I have been hard on Drury. I was as critical of, as anybody of him after our off season, you know, and everything that went down, but uh, there's no way I can sit here and say he did a bad job at the deadline. I thought he had got great value. You know, Toronto for a fourth is, is, is nothing. You know, the cop package was a little bit heavy. You could make the argument, but I mean, I think it was still pretty good value comparatively to like somebody who, you know, Ricard Raquel got a lot more, you know, I thought, um, I thought he did a really good job of getting really good value for the guys that he got. And, you know, this has been beaten to death, but he kept all of our big assets. He kept Nils Lundqvist. He kept, you know, Vitaly Kravtsov, even though if you want to maybe argue he's not a big asset. He kept our first round pick. You know, he, if we do need to go for a 2C this year and Ryan Strom does walk, we have still have 
this big war chest of assets that we can that we can use to get one. And I thought he did a great job of um, fortifying the roster without giving up all of his uh, his premium assets. Lou, that's 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 something that I actually didn't realize. I mean, I did focus on what they did in the trade deadline, but you really look at the future. They still have pieces to trade, and you realize that if the Rangers make the farther they make it, the more value their players are. So that's actually something that the Rangers feel like. You know, why are we going to even start to try to trade for a hurdle or something like that when at the end of the day, these players, that type of player may not resign with us because they're such a big star. And at the end of the day, we'll lose all our prospects. And then you're just stuck in a hole where everyone's going to say, oh, you gave up so much and you didn't even get anywhere and he didn't resign and you just messed up the whole system. One thing that one thing I did notice about Tyler Mott, which I actually wanted Yanni Gord for, but I'll take Mott with what he's doing is his speed. And what that adds to the Rangers is, you know, the Rangers play this dump and, dump and chase game and they need a guy to get that puck. And Mott's a guy who's been adding an energy of getting that puck. And I think that has really worked the five on five as well, because when you are in a five on five and you dump that puck and he comes in and he's, and he's coming after that puck, the other team has to watch out. They have to be much quicker to the puck, which as well could cause turnovers. And if you remember one of the goals, I think uh, from, from, from last night was on that four check. Um, I was on that four truck with the puck. In, it was in, against the Detroit game, yeah. It was on, right, it was against the Detroit game. And that's something that when you see that the Rangers are quicker to the puck, the other team has to quickly notice. So I think that's something I noticed in Mott as well. Do you think that, do you think that Tyler Mott is there for, um, for the long term? Yeah, I would love to keep him. Actually, I, I tweeted, I think it was yesterday or the day before. I, I think it was last night, actually. I, I think I tweeted like, Something like, uh, yeah, I just jumped on Cap Friendly to see how we can keep Cop, Mott, and uh, Vetrano because they've all fit in really well. I mean, Mott, I, I, I didn't actually look into it. I just kind of did it for the for the tweets, but I will. I mean, I, I have no problem. It's very tricky if you want to get a second C. If, well, if Andrew Cop's your second C, that means that you're going to probably have to get, like, another well, what's would you let, Which one out of all three would you let go? <laughs> Probably cop because it's the most expensive. Right, exactly. I mean, but with the way he's playing, how could you, you know, with if he has such a connection, you, you see the way he like. I think the bigger question point. is. I think the bigger question is the main question is what you're trying to bring out is Strom or Cop. Right, exactly. I think Strom's gone. Honestly, I think Strom priced himself out. I think he knows what he can get on the market, and he's and you know whatever, good for him. You know, get your get your bag, man. Always, but. I think that he has decided that he's going to test the market, and I think he's going to get more than what the Rangers are comfortable giving him. I think he's as good as gone. Right. But, I mean, going back to Tyler Mott, I, like, you're definitely right about Tyler Mott. He adds a lot to our fourth line. He's not just your typical kind of fourth line grinder. He's, I look at Mott, and I kind of see Carl Hagelin a little bit. He's, oh, wow. he's like that, that speedy bottom six guy who, you know, does really well, and he's never going to score like 50 points or anything like that. But he's, you know, he's got a little bit of offensive touch to him, but he's really defensively responsible, and his speed creates problems on the forecheck. He definitely reminds me a little bit of Carl Hagman. He was, I think he was commanding from Vancouver 2 million. If I'm not mistaken, I could be. Uh, so going back to the cap situation is, yeah, like you said, it makes sense that you'd have to let go of cop just because I was speaking with the Winnipeg cop podcast, and it sounded like 4.5 was kind of the golden number there. Um, again, though, you, you could do this a lot of ways when people are saying we need a second line center. Well, what happens if you add a light right winger who's elite? I mean, does it really matter who your center is as long as he's okay? Um, 
you know, I know Kane is a very big um, uh, controversy, but like theoretically, if cops, you're for, I, some people don't sit saying that, like, you know, maybe he's bubble line, borderline, third line, second line center. Uh, it doesn't really matter as long as it's not Greg McKay. Like if you have Kane and Panarin on the same line, you know, it's. Uh, you or I could be the center on that line. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter who's center. Artem Anisimov was their center and he said he put up 40 points, I believe, in that season with them. So like, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of things to be played with a lot of moving pieces here, a lot of variables. So we don't really know, like if we know jury's going to go after Kane, then that cop question kind of, I feel he does come back. Um, if he doesn't go after a guy like Kane and he, you know, keeps Kako on that second line, I think there's your answer that jury's going to go after an elite center or not elite, but like, you know, they're very much up there. And I feel like then, Cop would be bumped down to the third line, which means he prices himself out. However, a guy like Vetrano, I really feel like we could actually resign him. And a guy like Tyler Mott uh, would also, you know, uh, personally for me, when I saw Tyler Mott on that PK versus Pittsburgh, when he was passing oh it God. back, I'm like, fantastic. I've always seen that other teams do that. I'm like, I've never seen the Rangers do that. They are not smart enough to do that. And then my dream comes true when the when Tyler Mott does that. I was right immediately down. I'm like, yeah, he's just become one of my favorite. Well, well more than that, I feel I feel like that added something to the Rangers. Where in they have smarts now in the bottom. Yeah, in their depth. Exactly, exactly. You you also you had Greg McKay on your fourth line. There's no smarts there. There's no. There's well, nothing you, there. You there's no have brains. a better option in a sense. I mean, Lou, what what do you think about like? Do you think that Reeve should be? I, I've been asking this for a bunch of people. Do you think? Uh, and this is also a huge argument on Twitter. Come playoff time, do you think Reeves should be on the fourth line, or maybe he should be a combination of like Mott, Rooney, and uh, I'm blanking on someone right now, Brodzinski? It would probably be Hunt, I imagine, would be on the or fourth Hunt, line yeah. for fully healthy. Well, fully healthy, I imagine we'd be, you know, well, I, that's a whole other can of worms whether Lafreniere would be on the top, you know, but anyway, right, in, yeah. in any order, you know, our, our top 12 forwards would be Zibanejad Kreider. Lafreniere, Panarin, Strom, Kako, you know, Heedle, Goudreau, uh, Vetrano, Cop. That's ten, and and then I think you got, you would have now to, you're at yeah, you, know, you have some combination you, of Mott, um, Reeves, Rooney. and Rooney and Hunt would be your fourth line. Right. So, so I think I, the I'd real be thing cool is with the fourth line of Rooney, Rooney, Mott, and Hunt. I think that sounds good. Right. So I'm saying it's right. Like, would you think Reeves should fit in there? Or you think you'd rather someone else? Um, I guess it's kind of matchup dependent. If we draw the Capitals, I'm kind of okay with putting Reeves out there. You know, I, I know the Tom Wilson stuff is so overblown and they, you know, they've played him a couple of times and they've never fought, but like, you know, or maybe, maybe if we play, let's say in game one, you know, uh, Wilson does something crazy, you throw Reeves in there for game two to, you know, you know, whatever the case is like that. But I think other than that, other than match specific, I, I don't, I don't really think we need him there. I mean, he does everything he needs to do for the team in the locker room and just being around the team keeps us loose, everything like that. There's a lot he can do for the team without being on the ice. Uh, and you can't yeah. say the same about some of the other guys. Right. I mean, that's a really, that's a, that's, that's something that the Rangers, I think are very much going to do. They're going to, they're going to look at who's hot. 
really. In the if playoffs, they put Greg McCaig in the playoffs, man, I'm going to lose it. Well, I'm let me ask you, let me ask you, if 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 Greg McCaig does well in 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 one game, which I, I that's don't, I physically doubt impossible. Happen. I doubt it's going to happen. If he does well in one game, and they start him, I think Lieber Hayek scores a goal before Greg McCaig actually becomes somewhat solid. I'm not asking for solid. I'm asking he was good in one game. That's the solid in one game. I think the Libra Hayek will have it before Greg McKegg is solid in one game. I mean, that guy, it, it literally drives me nuts. But, but in general, but in general, you know. Lou, the, back me the, up here. I mean. <laughs> I mean, so the the great the great thing about our lineup now is that there's guys we haven't even talked about yet. We haven't said Julian Gauthier's name yet. I mean, we haven't really talked about Johnny Brodzinski at all. These, do we have some solid options? We have a lot of depth. We have a lot of, a lot of versatility. I mean, they're still going to start a Greg McKay. Yeah. I mean, trust me, I'm, I'm the curator of the, you will have Greg McKay and you will like it meme. I, <laughs> right. You, know, I, you start Galant's reaction. Yeah. It was like, he was almost upset that he had no excuse to put Greg McKay in his interview. But he was like, he really, unfortunately he, we have really good players. So some quality guys are going to optimize. I'm like, yeah, screw okay. You, Jacob, screw Jacob, you, man. Between me and you, you we know Gallant has his guy. Then he's gonna put them in. Of course, right. Morgan Morgan Barron. Okay, he was just brought up. I think like well, no, no, Morgan Barron's different because it was he was literally the epitome of he was literally the mold of exactly what Gallant liked. Okay, but and did, somehow he, did, he didn't yeah. crack the lineup. That that he wasn't all his guy though. You, you, I realize but, Gallant has. But that's his the guy. point. Of course, he has his guys. That's the whole famous thing is that he has his guys. But Morgan Barron. Just all his qualities is literally what Gallant loves. So that's why it was always a question quality. to me. He doesn't care about that. He, he cares. Care I don't know. He, I, he has his trusted veterans. I mean, how many times have we seen him demote Lafreniere and put Reeves on the first line or something crazy? He has just, he's one of those coaches, one of those old school coaches who doesn't trust the young guys and, uh, you know, has his veterans that he has more trust in. Whether they're good players or not, he just, for whatever reason, leans I, on them. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to really, I wanted to really, I had it like on my list here, like my top question, I didn't even get to it. And this is something that I actually has, is a really important part to the hockey game. And, the, you know, I'm looking through the Rangers weaknesses. We know that they're five on five ever since, um, that, that we know that ever since they're five on five, that, that no, ever since they trade deadline, their five on five has looked much better. And, and then all that. So I just wanted to quickly ask you, do you find that the face-off weakness is a problem? Just quickly, if you, what your opinion is on that. My thoughts on face-offs, I mean, I'm not much of an analytics guy, but I know like the analytics community really disregards face-offs and doesn't think they're important at all. I My thought has always been that situational face-offs are important. I mean, I think it was last night, Detroit scored a goal right off the right off the face-off. I believe they were on a power play, or it might have been even strength, but they scored a goal it was Ernie, right, right off the face-off. They won the face-off. Uh, yeah, I think it was one. Of, I think it was the one. I think Stahl shot it, and it bounced off like Ernie's foot. But yeah, my thought has always been situational faceoffs are important. You know, when you're in your own zone trying to defend a lead, or when you're in the offensive zone trying to score to tie the game. You know, situational faceoffs are definitely important. We don't have a guy that we can really toss out there. I mean, Gaudreau's kind of that guy. You know, if we're if we're defending a lead in the third period and we're in our own zone. Gaudreau's probably going out there to take the draw and, you know, play that defensive role. But, you know, other than that, I don't, I don't think they're super important. I mean, yeah, Cobb's helping that a lot. I, I liked how in one of the plays, it was versus Pittsburgh, that he took the faceoff and he pushed it forward. He went around. It was so perfectly done, and that caused a goal. I don't remember if it was the first goal or the second goal. 
I think it was the first one. It the was first so, call. Yeah, it was so perfect. I never forget winning a face-off alone. A ranger could never do that. This guy comes in and just pulls out a perfect forward face-off win, and it, it was it was just fantastic. So now, obviously, the what people who are listening have mainly been waiting for on this podcast. Um, we're going to go into the story about with you and uh, D'Angelo Fiasca. So. I was. I think I was there on Twitter that day. I think I was looking through the whole thing. What in the world happened? Well, <clears throat> what happened was um, I I kind of had been trolling Tony a little bit on Twitter. I mean, everybody knows what his Twitter personality was like. He was an easy guy to rile up. You know, I didn't personally like him, so I would troll him a little bit. But what it, where it really escalated was actually he um, – this was in 2012, Black Lives Matter uh, – movement and all of that. So he had been saying a lot of negative things. And, you know, if you look through his likes, there was a lot of negative things about the Black Lives Matter movement. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, he always had these accusations of racism, follow him around and all these things like that. So what I did was I started trolling him, trying to get him to say Black Lives Matter. I would just tweet at him and say, Tony, do me a favor, just tweet the words Black Lives Matter, you know? That's it. Nothing, nothing, you know, really that bad. But I would tweet that at him every once in a while. And then one day, unprompted, somebody else was trolling him, and he just unprompted brought my name into it. He, like, tagged me and was like, you guys are insane. You and this Lou guy, you guys are always – you're obsessed with me. You're always talking about me, blah, blah, blah. So once he kind of unprompted brought my name into it, I kind of knew I had him there. I kind of knew that, you know, my troll job was working, um, and I and I started pressing a little bit. I, I – send him a screenshot of me asking him to say black lives matter. And I said, you know, prove me wrong or shut the fuck up. Um, and then he responded back with, with the whole kind of like essentially challenging me to a fight outside Madison square garden. He was like, yo, well, if you think you're such a big man, why don't you show up outside the garden and, and make me shut up? You know, you're, you're trying to be a big man on Twitter, but if you wouldn't, you would never say this shit to my face. You know, the typical, like, basically challenging me to meet him outside Madison Square Garden and say stuff to his face, which, as everybody knows, he didn't expressly say the words fight me, but come on, we all know what the implication there is. Like, um, so that was what happened there. Um, it kind of, it blew up on Twitter. I mean, I mean, everybody, that's kind of what I'm known for now at this point is the guy who guy who tony wanted to fight like a uh, meme of like oh here i found d'angelo like there was a fake picture of him outside madison square garden or something like that yeah i'm pretty sure that was nick um (laughs) rangers nick i'm pretty sure that he actually he he uh he and i coordinated on a few things with that he actually um it was my my uh my banner for a while it was a picture of me and tony you ever play like mortal kombat you know the mortal kombat choose your fighter screen yeah it was that, and it was like the choose your fighters were me and Tony, and Nick made that for me. Um, so, <laughs> so there was a lot of great memes that came out of it. But um, yeah, it, it, it blew up on Twitter. It went a little bit unnoticed in media. Like I know for a fact, because uh, Vince Mercagliano reported on it a few times. He, he wrote about it in articles. He um, talked about it in a couple of podcasts. I, so I know for a fact through him that the Rangers saw that, were super pissed about it, confronted Tony about it, made him delete uh, the tweets, and then actually he he soon after that deleted his Twitter. It wasn't really long after that when he when he got off Twitter for good. Um, so Did it they definitely ask wasn't you to delete deal. yours, or yours were still on. No, 
no, they never did. Nobody ever miners. I, well, I ended up losing that account, but that's ah. beside the point. Screenshots. I still have the screenshots, but yeah, they, they definitely, you know, like I said, I know through Vince that they were pissed off about it. They confronted Tony about it. It was another strike for him. You know, obviously after that, he got, uh, you know, the incident where he got benched for, for the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. And then he had to fight with Georgiev. So, but it was just definitely, it was definitely one more strike against him. They were definitely pissed about it. Um, but it went a little bit unnoticed. I definitely caught that, that none of the other beats, none of the other reporters, you know, in, even when we bought D'Angelo out and then again, when we, when, uh, the hurricane signed him, I kind of Tony's off ice issues that he challenged the fan to a fight. I will, here's another shout out. I'll give Sarah Sivian was one of the only other person who did when the cane signed him. And she wrote her her article about uh, you know Tony's past off ice issues. She did mention it, so shout out to Sarah. Her and Vince are the only ones who ever brought it up. Nobody else ever did. Right, you got to think that the Rangers were trying to get everyone to shush about it. Um, but I hear also after that there was a follow up when you went to MSG. You wanna you wanna say something about that? Right. So the second, so that was part one. Everything that happened with me and Tony on Twitter is part one. Part two is um, I went to a game at the beginning of December. My birthday is at the beginning of December. So me and a, a group of friends kind of kind of went to the game. And when we were going into MSG, when we were going through security, you know, I walked through the metal detector and immediately like four security guards are on me. And they're like, excuse me, sir, can you come with us? And I'm just like, okay. I had an idea of what was happening, but I wasn't sure. So the security guards pull me aside and like, there's, like I said, there's like four security guards on their walkie talkies. Like, yeah, we got Lou Giordano here, code 22. Like you would have thought they, they found Bin Laden or something. <laughs> it was like, it was absurd. It was just an unnecessary level of security. But, um, you know, they, they, one of them pulled up his phone and he had my LinkedIn profile up on his phone, which I thought was really bizarre. I'm like, why wouldn't you have my Twitter or something? But he pulls up my LinkedIn profile and he's like, is this you? I'm like, Yes. <laughs> He's like, okay, well, our uh, our facial recognition software flagged you when you came through, so we had to pull you aside. And then they're talking to their walkie-talkies again, and they come back, and they're like, did you have an altercation with a player? I'm like, I, yes, kind of. If you want to call a Twitter beef an altercation, then yes, I had an altercation with Tony D'Angelo. They're like, all right, well, we don't know if we're going to be able to let you in, because, you, you, like I said, you were flagged through the, the facial recognition software, and... Eventually they did let me in, but it was a, it was a hairy few minutes there where I was sweating heavily thinking they were going to let me in. Wow. That's, that's pretty. Yeah, I do. I would have been sweating like crazy oh, through that one. Um, so I'm just trying to think this, this is just whack, like part one and part two. Um, how, how long did that whole altercation take in MSG? Like five minutes or so? It was like maybe 10 minutes. They get, you know, they called over uh, my one friend who had, uh, the tickets on her phone, like, well, we need to see your ticket. And I'm like, well, I don't have it. My friend had the tickets on her phone. So he, she had come over and show them my ticket. They took a picture of my ticket. Um, I was actually more worried. You know, like I said, they eventually let me in, but I was actually more worried because like I said, this was the beginning of December. I was more worried about Hank Knight. I was terrified that they weren't going to let me in for Hank Knight. So oh. what I ended up doing for that was when I was going through security, I made sure I had a mask on. And I had like a beanie on and I pulled the mask up as high as it would go to cover as much of my face as possible. And I pulled the beanie as low as possible. I was trying to cover as much of my face as possible. And it worked because they did not flag me uh, after going through security at Hank Knight. So the disguise worked. So that game, were there any games in between that 
altercation in MSG and Hank Knight, or it was one after the other? Um, so the that was the only game I went to um, between the beginning of December game and then Hank Knight. But there was a game I went to like last April. So the Tony thing was August of 2020. There was a game I went to in April of 2021. Uh, and they didn't flag me there either. But the only thing I can think of is that at the time, masks were still required to go into MSG. So maybe because I had the mask on, the, the facial recognition didn't get me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, because usually they, they, they see, I don't know if they always go by that. But No, there's like an algorithm to show by facial recognition. I think the mask does screw around with it. Uh, it, it relies a lot on the, I think the cheekbones, the the mid part of the face i think that's more most reliant your nose recognition right so i think since that a lot of that's covered up i think that messes with the face wears uh recognition um yeah no that is totally whack um yeah i mean the other i was going to when the schedule came out at the beginning of the year i was planning on going to the the first game that the hurricanes come to msg Oh god! Kind of you know, <laughs> making it a bit, but now I'm t- now I'm terrified too because I don't want to get like perma banned from MSG. So I'm like, you know what? I think I'm gonna skip that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, you don't want to ever get banned from MSG permanently. That would not that would not be uh, the greatest day. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in my best behavior for a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, How long do you think it's gonna take till you uh, get off of this? They said something to me about that at the at the game where they pulled me aside. They were like, "Yeah, listen, we're gonna let you in, and just you know, just know that the next few times you come, it's gonna flag you, and just come see us when you come in." You know, like they wanted me to check in with security. I just, I don't know. I was terrified to do it on Hack Night. I was like, "There's no way I'm I'm risking anything to, of missing Hack Night." So I'm just gonna disguise myself, sneak on through in my little ninja costume, and gotta have like the Pink Panther the uh, theme music in the background. Yeah, it's like the, the Mission Impossible da, 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 music da, da, playing and I sneak through the metal detector. Oh, yeah, or the Mission Impossible. You should have, like, uh, did a POV of it, like, uh, sneaking the MSG with the big Mission Impossible music until you get to your seat. <laughs> that would have been, that would have blown up. Um, so after that whole, you know, that crazy thing, going back to this year, what do you believe? Like, there's a lot of, you know, I, I like arguments regarding like what is considered a successful Rangers season because in the beginning of the season, I felt like the success was to be make the playoffs. Now I, I think that's now it's totally below Mark. I think that it's totally changed now with the way the teams played Shesterkin, obviously historic season. And ever since their additions came along, their five V five woes have, you know, diminished a lot. It, it's hockey sound minor posted a thing. He's like, I'm worried I'm going to get hope now. Um, and that's not good because the 5v5 analytics also show that they're doing much better. Do you think, what do you think is called a successful season this year? I'm picturing the Hawkeye don't give me hope meme from, uh, from Endgame now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I do agree that before the season, definitely playoffs. You know, playoffs and kind of development from our young kids were going to be, as long as we make it and as long as the kids take a step, that was kind of it. But now, absolutely, because we've, because we've already exceeded those expectations and the playoffs have been basically a lock for so long, I definitely think the bar is raised a little bit. Um, I would say, depending on who we play, and again, it looks like it's going to be Pittsburgh, I would say that winning a round would definitely make it a successful year. And me personally, if we go toe-to-toe at Pittsburgh and we go seven games or we go six hard games where we barely lose each game, I would still consider that a success. I think uh, the only way I would consider it a failure is if we just get blown out, if we get swept or if it's five games or even six games where we get like, you know, murdered in, in all of our losses, whatever the case is, I think that would be a failure. But I think 
just showing that kind of we're we're here and we're here to stay and that we can play with the big teams in the league would be a success. Definitely if we went around, I would think it's a big success. So, so Lou, what would, you know, you have some other people here that are not Rangers fans that might listen to this podcast. So I want you to scare them off a little bit. What makes the Rangers scary? What, why would a team not want to face the Rangers? Well, we have one, two, three, four, five of the very best players in the world. We have the best goalie in the world. We have uh, one of the top three goal scorers in the world in Kreider. At the moment, we have Artemi Panarin, who's, one, again, one of the best, you guys said this earlier, he's one of the best three or four wingers in the world. We have arguably the best or top three defensemen in the world. And we have Mika Zibanejad, who's, you know, I believe, this has been debated lately, but I believe he's a top 15-ish center in the league or so. Uh, but he's, he's, you know, undeniably a number one center with dynamic offensive skill. And when he's on, I mean, we, we've been making the jokes all, all month about Mika March. He's just on fire. Like, he just... When he catches fire, he's almost impossible to stop. So, I mean, if you've got Shesterkin and Fox and Mika and Panarin and Kreider all at the top of their games, I don't know if there's a team in the league. I mean, this is probably a debate, but I don't know if there's a, many teams in the league that have a fivesome like that who's at, you know, at close to the top of their, the league in their respective positions. So I just want to go before we ended off all well, two questions, really one quick one is what was I, I asked you like, you know, how was your reaction to them as G altercation, but with the Twitter one, did you really expect it? Like what was going through your mind? Just uh, really, really scared that I was going to be permanently banned from MSG. Well, that what, was the Twitter really altercation. My... Oh, what was going through my mind at the Twitter altercation? Sorry, yeah. Cut off for a second there. Uh, what was going through my mind during the Twitter altercation was wondering how far I could push it. What can I get this guy to do? How far can I get this guy off the team? Can I, can I, you know, can I get this to national attention where Tony's getting blasted on ESPN or TSN for, for, you know, threatening a fan. Like I was literally trying to push it as far as I possibly could. Got it. So one question before we, uh, ended off here, um, what what was the origin of the uh, shot club? I just if for people to know here is the New York Shot Club. Well, what what was the how did that start up? So the the NYR Shot Club started uh, back around 2014, I believe. It was kind of a long time ago. It was um, me and uh, my co-founder Scott, who I have to shout out. His handle is uh, S McDonald Five on Twitter. Me, him, and a couple of other people uh, just kind of were messing around, talking about the the stress of the playoffs. And we thought, you know, we were joking, like, boy, I could use a shot. We should do a shot every time the Rangers do a shot, which obviously isn't feasible. You can take 20, 30 shots a game. But so it kind of evolved from there into, well, we'll just do a shot every time they score then. Uh, and that became the premise of the shot club. And it was just, you know, four or five people just having fun. Uh, and then, you know, every year during the playoffs, we would do it. Uh, and then obviously we didn't make the playoffs for a few years. So that kind of died off. But then back in the, in the bubble, when we were playing Carolina, we, uh, me and Scott decided, uh, Hey, we should bring it back. We should do it again for, for the, for these playing round games. Uh, and then this year uh, I decided, well, maybe it just doesn't have to be a playoffs thing. Maybe I could do it the entire season. Uh, and it was the first time at the beginning of the year, I was the first time I opened it up to everybody else and said, Hey, if anybody else wants to like join in on this with us, you know, just for some fun, feel free to. And I really was not expecting it to really go far. I thought maybe a few people would join. Yeah, okay, great. It'll be a little bit of fun. But it's really kind of taken off in a way that I didn't expect at all. I mean, I have 
a whole separate Twitter account for it now. Um, Bob Kawa designed us a logo. Uh, I'm going to start, you know, creating shot glasses with the, with the logo on it. I'm going to do some giveaways for them. Maybe I'll sell them if people want to buy them. You know, it's, it's become a lot more than I ever thought it was going to. What's I know overtime is fun, but what's it like in a shot club fun? It helps. It helps uh, dealing with the stress of overtime when you've already had a couple of shots in you. That was kind of, you know, like I said, the, the premise at the beginning was the 2014 playoff run was so stressful. They're like, all right, well, how do we alleviate these nerves? I'll take a couple shots during the game. Oh my gosh. I, 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 I'm just trying to imagine my third period where I can't even tell which teams what and how we're doing or something. And just then seeing Rangers win and just, you know, not feeling all that pain. I'll tell you those few games against uh, Philly last year or early in the year when we, oh my gosh, those things, the games when we were scoring like nine goals, those were not oh. fun. You know what I can't stand? I can't well, the end stand. of Mika March down now. No, I yeah. think it's yeah. Yeah, the end of Mika March. Oh, well, I think at also, some point you got to switch to water. No, it's going to start. Someone April mentioned though, to me that the player with the most goals in April was actually Panarin, which shocked Ooh, me. Like a, so April or Artemi 10. April, maybe. Yeah, Artemi there you go. <laughs> But tell me April. All right, I'm yeah. putting it out right now. So, there you uh, go. Lou, you want to mention how they could like personally participate in this with the hashtag and all that? Yeah, it's pretty easy. I mean, um, it every time the Rangers score, you do a shot. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be a shot of alcohol. It's really, you know, because we want everybody to participate. It can be a drink or a sip or or a shot of any kind of you know coffee, water beer, you know, it doesn't, it can be whatever you want, you know, any, any kind of participation is helpful, but anytime the Rangers score, you do a drink or a sip or, or a shot of your preferred beverage. Uh, and then you do either like a selfie of you doing the drink, or I know some people like to remain private. So you can just kind of do like a picture of the drink itself and you post it in your tweet and you use the hashtag NYR shot club. And, or now that we have the official account, you can also just tag at the handle NYR shot club. And that's it. It's just meant to be fun. You know, I've had a lot of people tell me they look forward to it. You know, seeing people do it in crazy places, you know, in at the game, people at MSG doing it, people at away games. Somebody did it in Detroit. You know, people do it at away games across the country. Uh, one of my followers is from Colorado and was at, you know skiing in the Rocky Mountains and took a picture of him. You know, Hell Valley participated one time. <laughs> Steve Valiquette wow. did, did it one time. It's yeah, it's been a big thing, much bigger than I anticipated. So it's a lot. It's just meant for people to have fun. All righty. Uh, before we end off, Lou, you want to, I, I know you just posted in your NY Shot Club. You want to post your uh, your specific uh, Twitter handle? Yeah, my handle is ImmortalLou30. Perfect. Uh, Lou, I'm sure a lot of people are going to enjoy that <laughs> very unique story <laughs> of yours. Um, thank you so much for coming on and uh, we'll see you later. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. And I also wanted to mention, I do appreciate you guys. You guys have supported the Shot Club a lot. So I've, I've appreciated that. I wanted to mention that as well. All right, of course. Sure. I, th- I think Jacob, we got to do something with our. With, with, I mean, with listen, our, I'm a fan of the New York Rangers. I'm going to be very, <laughs> very. Uh, and, and we could use it anyway. So, like, we can use like it. a normal time for us, you know, take a couple shots during these games. Everyone needs it. All right, man. Yeah, I'm open to collaborations, boys. We'll talk. Awesome. All right, yeah, we'll talk, man. Take care. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.